This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Bottom of page 55. And the letter is based, Maimonides, the Rambam writes, in the laws of giving gifts to the poor, that the, the Jewish people will only be redeemed through tzedakah. That they will be redeemed, they will return through tzedakah. And he explained that based on what David HaMelech writes in chapter 27 in Tehillim, that our heart tells us, search the inner part of the heart. So he explains, there's the outer part of the heart and there's the inner part of the heart. The outer part of the heart is when the heart is, on, even a heart that's on fire, you love Hashem. But it's all external. It's external. I'm doing everything good. Not only I'm doing everything that's right. I'm doing it passionately. I'm on fire. I love Hashem. And yet it's all external. You see a person is bubbling and excited. And then a minute later it's like as if it never happened. So even when he was excited, how real is it? You know, the mission that discusses is a river. It's called a lying river. And the Torah says there's certain things you need mayim chayim, living, living water. So living water means water that comes from a well. So, so you can't take the water from a well, from a river that dries up once in seven years. Because a river that dries up once in seven years is not living. It's called a lying, a lying river. Because if it dries up, it means it's not real. So even though you see a person bubbling with enthusiasm, he's excited and he's passionate and his heart is on fire. But the fact that it's a moment later it dries up, he leaves the shul and it's all over... That means even when it existed, it's external. It's pretty superficial. The question is, what's stopping the inner part of the heart from connecting with Hashem? Like it says, from the depth of my heart, I call out to Hashem. What's stopping us? If every Yid has, we call the Pintal Yid, every Yid has this deep down, this deep connection with Hashem. So why can't we feel it? Why can't we experience it? Why can't we access it? What's stopping us? And he uses an analogy we find within a person, there's certain things that really bother you very, very deeply. There's certain things you care about, but you care about it superficially. You get excited and you care about it. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, okay, fine. It didn't work out. Not, not. But if your life is at stake, or something that really touches the ear when you care about it, you really care about it. It's not just, I'm saying it, but this is my life. And no one is going to distract you. It's, it's so powerful. 
And even when someone tries to stop you, you're not going to let them. You know, here you care about something. You want something passionately. You try. It doesn't work out. Okay, I tried. What can I do? I can live without it. It's not something that... But if it's something your life depends on it. If a person is dying and he knows there's a cure and you'll come to the doctor and say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You're not just going to go back to sleep. You'll turn the whole world upside down to make sure that... Because that means that's something that you really care about. So we see with, even within... When it comes to our own personal self, there's a difference between something you get excited about superficially. To the naked eye, you don't see a difference. You see a person is heated and is passionate. You say, wow, he's so passionate about it. But the truth is, it's all superficial. Take it away and it's all over. Walk away and it's, okay, yes, no. But then there's something that my life depends on this. This is not, this is for real. Same is with Hashem. You can see a Jew who's warm, who's excited about his Yiddishkeit, and he learns and davens, but you know what? It's all external. It's a very sobering thought. <laughs> you know, we think we see a person, you think he's already on top of the world. He climbed the spiritual Mount Everest, and then he's describing in this letter, it's really, it's really all external. It's very superficial. Is Yiddishkeit really, does he really care about it? Does he cry for it? Doesn't let him sleep. Disturbs his sleep. He wakes him up early. He does things that are beyond his nature. Or he's comfortable. Hashem, it's nice. It's nice to love Hashem. It's a nice thing. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to go beyond my comfort love. I'm not going to do anything crazy for Hashem. I'm not going to relax. It's a part of my life. It's not everything. It's a part of my life. It's very much compartmentalized. Maybe it's an important part. Maybe it's a big part. But at the end of the day, it's only a part. could be even 18 hours, but then it comes to an end, and then I go back to my private life. But the truth is, Hashem is... Hashem. I call you from the depth of my heart. Every year, this has this pintle year, where our connection to Hashem comes from our very essence. And therefore, there's no limit. A Jew, a Jew is crazy about Hashem. But the question is, why don't we feel it then? Why can't we experience it? Why can't we access it? What's stopping us? And he says, the reason what's stopping us is, it's called the arla of the heart, the covering of the heart. Just like you have a physical arla that you have to cut, the bris, the mila, you have to cut the covering. So too you also have spiritually have a covering of the heart. This is what he calls the gullus. This is what causes the gullus, the exile of the Shekhinah. Why is the Shekhinah in exile? Why is Hashem's presence in exile? Why can't we sense and feel Hashem's presence? Why isn't it tangible and palpable? When the Beis HaMikdash was here, it was open. He came to the Beis HaMikdash, he saw ten miracles. Godliness was open, Hashem was open, it was palpable. You felt Hashem's presence. Today, we're in exile, the temple is destroyed. What does that mean? That means that the Shekhinah is in exile. Because the Shekhinah is in exile with us. Because we went into exile. Our Neshama, our Shekhinah, our Pintli, that innermost part within us is in exile. Why is it in exile? Because we're attached to the material world. We're attached to the material world. 
It's our attachment to the material world that blocks and traps and imprisons the neshama. It doesn't allow the neshama to really express it. Because you can't be, you can't dance on all wedding. You know, either you're attached to Hashem or you're attached to the world. But in general, we say that person with Parnassah should go forward. I mean, uh, Parnassah, that doesn't have to mean coarse and crass and materialistic. Parnassah is part of your mission. There's a mitzvah to earn Parnassah. It's part of your six days a week is a mitzvah to work. Just like it's a mitzvah to rest, it's a mitzvah to work. But that's part of your mitzvah. That's part of your mission as a yid, your Hashem's ambassador. There's nothing wrong with engaging in the world. But, but you're doing it because it's a mitzvah, because it's because you're Hashem's representative. But the problem is that we become attached to the money. We become attached. To, it becomes a career. It becomes ego. It becomes something personal. Nothing to do with Hashem. That's the problem. So even if you do it in a kosher way, and that's what we left off last week, just like the bris, there's two parts of the bris. There is cutting off the foreskin, but then there is the thin membrane that you also have to remove to uncover the top. And if a person just cuts the bris, but he doesn't cut, he doesn't cut the thin membrane, he doesn't reveal the thin membrane, he has not, it's not considered a circumcision. And on Shabbos, you have to go back and finish the bris. What does that represent in the covering of the heart? The thick skin and the thin membrane? That there's two types of obstacles that disconnect us, that, that, that exile the neshama, don't allow the neshama to function, to operate freely, openly, consciously. One is the thick skin. The thick skin is our attachment to negative things, things that are prohibited. That completely covers up an hour neshama. You can't feel your neshama. The neshama is very fine. The neshama is very edel. The neshama is very godly. You can't feel godly feelings when you're sinning. It, it, it clogs your heart. It blocks your heart. It doesn't allow your neshama to come out. But even if you're not too sinning, you're not doing anything wrong. So there's no. So you, you've already cut the thick skin. But there's still a thin membrane, meaning I'm still attached to materials. I'm doing everything glad kosher. But I do it with feistiness, with zest. I'm indulging. Indulging in glad kosher. But I'm enjoying. I luxuriate in it. I really get into it. So if you're attached to materialism, that attachment blocks and covers, covers up and you're and your neshama doesn't allow your neshama to emerge. Because for that pintle yid, for that inner heart, for that deep relationship that you have with Hashem, it's like a marriage. A marriage, it's 100%. When you're truly in love, when you truly have a marriage, you're thinking about it 24-7. It's not compartmentalized. It's not like another job. Okay, I have, I have the office, then I have another job, my wife, <laughs> in the home. That's not a marriage. If it's a marriage, it's total. Total means 100%, not 99.9%. You can't be intimate if it's 99.9%. It has to be 100%. So if, if a person's relationship with Hashem is compartmentalized, 
even if that compartment called Yiddishkeit, I do it passionately and enthusiastically and excited about it, but then it comes to an end and I put it away, let me go back, now let me enjoy life, my own private personal life. So it means you don't have have a real relationship with Hashem. If you have a real relationship with Hashem, then, as Shlomo Amela says, I know Hashem in everything that I do. It's 24-7. I'm thinking about Hashem, not only when I'm studying Torah, when I'm in the shul, when I'm doing something holy and godly on Shabbos. It's 24-7. When I'm in the office, I'm thinking about Hashem. I can't stop thinking about Hashem. It's like the famous story with the... one of the biggest Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe, who was a billionaire. And at the end of the day, he would make an accounting of his business for that day. And he would add up on the paper, he would write all the numbers, everything that came in and came out. At the end, he wrote, some total is, Ein Oid Mulvade. There's nothing else besides Hashem. His friend says, we don't get it. You have numbers, and then you write, Ein Eid Mulvade. You should write, Hashem, 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 God, 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 equals nothing else but God. If there's numbers on the top of the page, there have to be numbers on the bottom of the page. You're doing business, you're writing serious numbers, it's a real responsible business, a serious business. He said, that's exactly the whole point. Numbers are numbers. Business is business. But what's the bottom line of this business? There's nothing but That's a marriage. That's a total relationship. That's something that comes from your core, your essence. That comes from the pintalia, that comes from the deep depth of your heart. But if your Yiddish guy is compartmentalized, no matter how passionate you are about those moments that you're doing something Jewish, that means you're really attached to materialism. I have my private life. I have the rest of my life. And that's what blocks the heart. That's what clogs the heart. That, was, that does not allow the neshama to emerge and to surf. The, those are the two stages of the bris, the spiritual bris. One is to get rid of the thick, thick skin, foreskin. And one is to, re, to remove the membrane, the thin. What's the context of it? It's, it's a letter about... What? It's a letter about tzedakah. It explains, the, the opening of the letter explains tzedakah, how tzedakah the Jewish people are going to be redeemed only through tzedakah. He's explaining what's the connection. Tzedakah, redemption. All mitzvahs are nice, but what's the specific relationship between tzedakah and redemption? That tzedakah is going to bring about the redemption, and so much so, the only way, the only way the Jewish people are going to be redeemed is through tzedakah. So that's what he's explaining now. What do you mean the Shekhinah is in exile? The Shekhinah is in exile globally on a cosmic level because the Shekhinah is in exile personally on a personal level. We are the microcosm. And he explains what does it mean the Shekhinah is in exile. So the Shekhinah is in exile and that's what he's explaining here and it's so profound that even a Jew who loves Hashem He's an observant Jew, and he loves Hashem, and he loves his Yiddishkeit, and he's warm, and he's passionate. Nevertheless, the Shekhinah is an exile. What do you mean the Shekhinah is an exile? Because his whole love for Hashem touches him superficially and externally. 
And the proof is the Shekhinah is an exile. It's not, it's not a total, all out, like crazy love for Hashem. Everything is very proper, but limited. Ultimately superficial. Because yes, he may have cut the thick skin, foreskin, but he's still, the membrane is still covering up. And when the membrane is still covering up, you have not performed the mitzvah of bris. You miss the whole thing. Because you have not opened, you have not revealed the heart, the inner heart. Now, concerning the excision of the foreskin itself, it is written, and you yourselves shall excise the foreskin of your heart. Each and every Jew is able to remove this himself, for repentance tears down the veil with which his desires obscure the innermost point of his heart. Okay. If a person is doing something negative, he's lying, he's cheating, he's dishonest, he's sinning, he's not doing mitzvahs, that we can take care of ourselves. We can change. I'm doing something wrong. That's blocking me. It's blocking my feeling, my sensitivity for godliness. You can't be sensitive to godliness when you're living like a, like a chaya. If there's no restraints and there's no discipline and there's no self-control and there's no... then. So that part I can take care of myself through tears, through truva, having a broken heart, changing my behavior, changing my ways, turning a new page. That I can take care of myself. That's easy to take care of. That's easy to deal with. So I can remove the thick foreskin. But the removal of the thin membrane is a difficult matter for a man. This already is very difficult. To tell a person that you should be completely attached to Hashem, that it shouldn't be a compartmentalized relationship, but it should be something that should touch you totally and deeply, and you should care about it. This is, this is something that's very difficult. You know, it reminds me of the story, the, uh, they say someone, an apprentice, came to, he was learning to be an ironsmith, and he was learning and learning and learning, and finally he tells his master, so when... When, am I gonna, when are you going to give me the certificate? I've been training and training and training. I seem, it seems to be, to be that I've learned everything you can teach me. You're still not giving me the certificate. So he says, when you start dreaming about it. <laughs> right, now, right, now, right now, it's just a job for you. It's not, it's not, you haven't become a smith. When it gets into your bones and it becomes you. You know, it's like a difference in a comedian and a comic. What's the difference? A comedian does comedy. Usually most comedians, you know, have no sense of humor. <laughs> the most serious people in the world. A comic, his whole being is funny. Charlie Chaplin, you look at him, you crack up. He doesn't have to say anything. You just give one look at him because the comedy has, it's in his bones. His whole being, it's like some people, some people are sad. You happen to be sad. Some people, the whole being is sad. You take one look at them, you start crying. <laughs> it's like seeped into their bones. It's like it's more than just something that they do externally. So also, there's Yiddishkeit. I do it. And I can do it well, and do it enthusiastically. But it's a job. It's external. It's, it's not... To, to remove the thin membrane means to totally reveal. A total... It seeps into your bones. It becomes your whole being. That's very difficult. Because we don't control our subconscious. We are compartmentalized. We are limited. On a conscious level, we're very limited. So everything is very neat and organized and orderly. 
this is my time for dancing, this is my time for music, and this is my time for Hashem. So no matter how far you get, it's limited and it's compartmentalized. So it's, it's almost impossible, it's very difficult for us to remove that thin membrane that, that we should go crazy for Hashem and we should go all out and it should be total and 100% and it should be seeping into my bones and every fiber of my being and every bone of my body from the depth of my heart as if my life depends on it. It's not, it's very difficult. It's not something that we can necessarily do in our own. And that's why the Pasuk says, and of this, this is written, it is written that with the coming of Mashiach, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul for the sake of your life. So it says, this is something that Hashem Himself has to do. It's not within the human capacity. Before that, the Pasuk says, you will circumcise your heart. The Pasuk that he quoted earlier, so the Pasuk says, you will circumcise your heart. Malta, no, the Pasuk, you've, the, 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 the first paragraph that you read. You will excise your heart. That's something we can do on our own. But after we do our part, after we do our part, then it says Hashem has to do His part. Because it's not within our capacity. The simple pshat of that pasuk is, What do you mean, circumcise your heart? There, the pasuk is talking about after already a person does teshuva. After a person already does teshuva, so you've already uncovered the part of your heart. So what do you need Hashem? So here the Alter Rebbe is explaining. The simple pshat, the way Rashi learns the pshat, the simple, simple explanation is, because the earlier few verses before, it says you will already return to Hashem. So if you already return to Hashem, you've already get, uh, gotten rid of all the negativity. So you've, you've already removed the, the clogging of the heart, the, the cover-up of the heart. So what do you mean Hashem will circumcise you? So, the way the Rebbe learns, what the simple meaning in the word is that the Pasuk is talking about, because it says, the eye sees and the heart desires. That's human nature. You can't help it. That's why we say in Vayoymer, don't follow your eyes, don't wander, the wandering eye, because that will lead, your heart will follow the wandering eye. So control your eye. But you can't help it. If you see something, you can't help but be affected. And because the eye sees, the heart starts thinking and it starts leading you astray. But once a Jew does teshuva, so the Pasuk promises, Hashem is going to cut off the link between the heart and the eyes. Hashem is going to cut the heart, meaning He's going to cut off the connection between the heart and the eyes. Because sometimes you can't help yourself. You're walking down the street, especially today, you can't even help yourself. It's all around you, I mean, unless, you unless you stop seeing. So, and you can't help it. And if you see by nature, whatever you see ultimately affects you. But if Hashem sees that you're doing tshuva, and you and your heart, you're sincere, Hashem will bless you and will tell you, I will cut off the heart from the eyes and it won't affect So only Hashem can do that. But here the Alter Rebbe learns, the Prat is like this, after a person does the shuvah, earlier the Prat saying, yes, he did shuvah, he got rid of the thick foreskin. But there's still the thin membrane that's still covering up because I'm still attached to materialism. No matter how enthusiastic and passionate, but it's all external and superficial and limited, and therefore it's, not, it's blocking, it's not allowing the neshama to fully be exposed and revealed 
and I can't access it, I can't experience it. So Hashem says, that's very difficult for us to do in our own. We're not equipped to do it in our own. Hashem says, this is referring to Hashem will remove the foreskin, the thin, the thin member. And this is only Hashem will do. And that's what the Pasuk adds. Because Hashem alone is literally your whole life. In this state, the individual's love of God will not be a mere manifestation of a soul, but a love that constitutes his very life. And just as a person does not regard his life as being something apart from himself, so too will this love not be sensed as a distinct entity, but as an intrinsic component of himself. So you can do Torah mitzvahs, but you, you do it because it's an obligation. Even if you do it passionately, it's an obligation. But I, whatever I do, I do responsibly, and I do it well, and I do it uh, sincerely, and I do it uh, conscientiously. But ultimately, it's still an obligation. It's something that I'm doing. I'm obligated, and I do it, and I do it well. I take pride in my work. If I'm going to do something, I do it. But it's not me. It's still external. I have no choice. It's something I have to do, so I'm doing it. And I'm going to do it well, and I'm going to do it wholeheartedly and sincerely and passionately, but it's an obligation. However, if it's your life, if Hashem becomes your life, it's not an obligation. It's an obligation. I'm not doing it because it's an obligation. It's me. This is who I am. My life depends on it. This is my life. And just like when you live, you take a recess from life. You know, between 12 and, 12 and 1, let me stop living for a minute. Let me take a break. You don't take a recess for life for a moment. Because it's my life. If Yiddishkeit is my life, my life depends on it. Then it's not a question of obligation, not obligation. Like we learned in the first part of the Tanya, chapter 44, that when Yiddishkeit becomes your life, Hashem is my life. It's me. What's my life? My life is me. Who is me? Who is I? Who am I? The, the finger? The finger is a corpse on its own. Me, it's my life. It's my neshama. So when Hashem is my life, that's me. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is, I'm doing it for myself. I'm not doing it because of an obligation. It's coming from within me. I want to do this. This is me. This is who I am. It's natural. And it's all-encompassing and all-engaging. And therefore, you go way beyond obligation, not obligation. <coughs> Any mitzvah that you do, I'm going to do it the most beautiful way possible. Obligation? Just to fulfill an obligation? Are you kidding? This is not paying income taxes. This is, this is my life. But you find every loophole. And the IRS says you can do that. You find every legal loophole as possible. Oh, yeah. Jewish. But again, if it's a tax, that's, that's external. It's no longer a tax. It's my life. When it's, when it's my life, I enjoy it. I love it. I do it 100%. And I do every mitzvah, the hidur. The most beautiful way possible. The nicest spirit film. And the nicest lulav. And the nicest esrik. And the nicest suk. And the nicest everything. Tzedakah, the best and nicest way. The most generous way. Buy the poor person the best food and the best clothes and the nicest way possible. Everything that you do because it's my life. And therefore you're not looking for obligation, not obligation. As he stated there in the first part of the Tanya according to Zoyar, where does it say a Jew has to wake up at midnight and study Torah? 
In the olden days, people would wake up at midnight, say Tikkun Chatzos, and then they would stay up till dawn to study Torah. It says in the Torah you have to study Torah at night and in the morning. So you study at night, you go to sleep, and you wake up in the morning. First thing in the morning, and you study Torah. Where does it say you have to wake up hours before the morning? Start studying Torah. It's not a question of obligation. You're not going to find a shear at 12 o'clock at night. Unless you go to lessonsinchanya.com. <laughs> the, the, the people are giving a shear to my sleeping. Well, <laughs> 12 o'clock at night, midnight. But again, if Yiddishkeit is obligation, not obligation, then you're right. There's a time for everything. But if it's my life, I can't sleep. I jump out of bed at midnight and I already, I already can't wait to learn Torah. Because it's my life. It's not a question of obligation. So such a love, to love Hashem, feel that it's my life, my whole life. My life depends on it. Like Hillel. Hillel climbed on top of the, the ceiling in the yeshiva of Shemaya Naftali because he couldn't pay the tuition. In the winter, and he's snowing, and he almost froze to death. It was an obligation. Friday night, to leave his family and to go and to climb on top. He can't afford tuition. Go home. Climbing on top, risking his life. But his life depended. It, it says that he wanted to hear the words of the living God. Because he felt his life, Torah to him wasn't just obligation. His life depended. Well, such a love, that's the love from the inner part of the heart. That's the love that comes from the Pintaliyid. That's total. It's, it's all encompassing. There's no compartmentalization. And then you're ready to do crazy things. Who climbs on top of a roof in the middle of a winter, a Friday night? It's crazy. It's, it's, it's abnormal. It's Meshuggah. But his love to Hashem, it wasn't just doing an obligation. Okay, Hashem, I'm going to do my obligation. It's my life. It's me. It's who I am. It's what I want. Yeah, there's not, it's not even... So... This Hashem says, I will circumcise the, the thinner membrane and therefore expose your neshama, allow your neshama to emerge in all its beauty and all its power and its, all its glory. And that is why this love, the love that follows the divine excision of the heart's thin membrane, stems from the depth of the heart and the truly innermost point of the above and transcends the faculty of God. So this and transcends the conscious level. Conscious level is neat, organized, limited. No matter, so no matter how much your heart is on fire, I love. No matter how operatic you are and how dramatic you are. It's control. It's limited. It's defined. But here you're talking about like my life depends on it. When your life depends on it, you do crazy things. It's, 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 it's beyond. It's beyond because it touches me so deeply. So you love for Hashem when it touches you so deeply, it's, it's, my, it takes over my whole life. It becomes my life. It becomes a living, a living thing. Yiddishkeit becomes alive. A living Torah, a living thing. Therefore, to Meshach will come when Israel in general are caught unaware. The Gemara says, Mashiach will come behesach So most people interpret it means that people will forget about it. There are people who try to fulfill this very uh, behidur. <laughs> they don't talk about Mashiach. They don't never think about Mashiach. Never even, never even as an afterthought because this, Mashiach can only come when we stop thinking about him. So God forbid, I should think about him for a moment because then I'll stop his coming. The Rebbe says, how do you mean Mashiach? I'm not thinking about Mashiach. How could a moment, how could a Jew 
How can a moment go by and a Jew is not thinking about Mashiach? The Rambam says a Jew doesn't believe in Mashiach, even if he believes in Mashiach, but doesn't actively anticipate and yearn every day and every moment for Mashiach's coming, denies the whole entire Torah. So what do you mean? And look in your tefillis. Every Jew, from the morning till, till you go to bed, probably mentions Mashiach close to 60 times. One Jew, one day. Forget about the high holidays, we add tefillis, Mashiach. So what do you mean we're not thinking about Mashiach? We're constantly thinking, we're constantly davening. We say in davening, we're facing Hashem. We say, Hashem, I'm hoping and waiting for your help all day, every day, every moment of the day. So what do you mean I'm not thinking about Mashiach? What do you mean? And even if technically the fact is Mashiach will come why is that? Why is that so important? The Mashiach will come Why? Why does Mashiach, why does Mashiach have to come What's the connection to Mashiach? Hesachadas. Just just the same. In the Kaddish, we always say. Yeah, but If God forbid someone goes into the wrong shul and says that, it looks like World War II would erupt. I mean, it, it happened to me already. Well, they get angry when you say that. Angry is not the word. There's a whole to do. How do you say it? You say it over here. Uh, so now I'm saying, like, well, what's even like just on their rationalization? I mean, no, I think it's just the respect of their nusuch. You know, when you come to a different shul, they want you to, uh, like, if you're a chaz in a different yeah, shul, you have to respect their nusuch. But it's almost like saying, you know, if you talk about Moshe, like, the, there's something disrespectful. I mean, like, well, what, what's, what's their point? That's let's I mean. let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They probably don't even know what the word means, and they are just upset that no, you're, no, changing, this, you're changing you're changing the nusuch. This is not. I don't think it's because of it happens to be Moshe. It's because, yeah, yeah. I think it's because it's changing the Nusuf. Some people are very careful. You Ashkenazi, surely you have to say Ashkenazi way. Don't, don't say an extra Kaddish, and don't say the Svardi Kaddish, and don't say the Hasidic Kaddish, the Rambam's Kaddish, say our Kaddish. I think it's more, I don't think it's angry you're saying Mashiach, it's angry that you're changing I the Nusuf so. publicly. Just, yeah. So, so here the Altareb is going to explain why it's not just a technicality. Mashiach is going to happen to come Behesel Hadas. Without our knowledge. But it, now, it's, it's going to come in the darkest days. Yeah, the but, darkest the, days fine. but the darkest doesn't mean that's what that means we're not thinking about it. What do you mean? And how can you say you're not thinking about it? On the contrary, when it's darker, we're thinking about it even more. We're praying, we're davening. We're, so, so what do you mean, Mashiach Babas Gadas? So here, the Al-Tareb is, now, based on what we just explained, Al-Tareb just explained, he says, now we understand what the Gemara means, what, what it means, Mashiach is going to come by Hadas. And why this is key, critical. This is an essential to the coming of Mashiach. This is what Mashiach's coming is all about. It's not just a technical, mechanical detail. Mashiach will happen to come to Hasechadat. This is tied into the whole essence of Mashiach. Because what it means is, it's a level that's beyond Das. Right now in exile, the Shechina is a trap. The Shechina is in exile, is in prison. And our inner Shechina is in prison. Our inner divine spark is in prison. Mashiach will come, it will burst out into the open, it will come out of the das, it will come out of its shell, this thin membrane that's holding it up, it's blocking it, it's covering up, and the, nothing will stop it, and therefore it's going to come out, and it's going to come from a level that's beyond das. It's going to come from our subconscious, it's going to come from our innermost depth. When they got the Torah, they all died, they expired, they heard Hashem, they expired. The ultimate, the, the, the neshama flew out of their body because it was totally beyond their capacity to even receive it. 
it was a total receiving the Torah, they received it totally, and therefore it touched them so much that they simply expired. So, so too, Yiddishkeit will touch us so much, and Mashiach will come. Godliness will come out of its shell, so to speak, out of its hiding. It'll come, and therefore it'll be beyond das. It'll be beyond limitation. Huh? The way it's written, it right. seems that the Mashiach won't come until the people are at this level. No, it means that Mashiach's coming will come, will be caught, on, caught unaware. What do you mean caught unaware? It means the level of the revelation of Mashiach. The revelation of Mashiach will come, will catch us by surprise. It'll be, be totally unaware because it'll be beyond our awareness. But if it's going to be so beyond that. Yeah. Everything can, we'd be very much aware. I mean, that we're on a no. level. If it's our no. whole being, we, it's everything. It's... That's after he comes. That's exactly it. But it's beyond our awareness. Means beyond our limited awareness. Right now, if, we, if we're already at that level, that's a. Mashiach. We're not at that level. I mean, when, oh, when Mashiach that, comes. Well, that's my question. In other words, if if we're at that level, does that bring Mashiach? No, that is Mashiach's coming. That's Mashiach's coming is in a way that's Behesach Hadas. Ah. Mashiach's coming comes in a way that's beyond our ordinary ah. awareness. Uh-huh. It, it's like, it'll be like a burst, a revelation from our subconscious. It'll be like a bursting out. It'll be like a, uh, an exposure of such an inner depth that we're not aware of. Because we are limited now. Because we're too attached to materialism. And our whole Yiddishkeit is very limited and finite and compartmentalized. So we, we don't allow our Neshama's trapped. Our Neshama can't be revealed. Mashiach will come will be like a bursting out. It'll be like, the, like a, it'll be a moment. That's why Mashiach's coming will be a moment. If, if Mashiach was all about buying an halal ticket to go to Israel, I think the Rebbe could have afforded <laughs> The Jewish people would have managed somehow. You know, he would have bought all those who can't afford one. Um, it's a different journey. Mashiach is not physically going to Eretz Yisrael. It's a different journey. It's a journey from the inner part of the heart to the outer part of the heart. So according to this, the, the Jews are going to be in a very low level because this will be a very big opposite of what they are. In other words, right now it seems that the Jewish guy is growing in the world in many places. Yeah, but it's still very external and superficial. Everyone, we can look in the mirror, we can talk about ourselves. I can't talk about anyone else, I can only talk about myself. <laughs> it's still with all the enthusiasm and all the passion, that's what he's explaining here. That's, that's when you study Hasidus, it puts everything into perspective. Because someone is flying high and is thinking he's already grabbing the angels already. And you, you learn this, you realize it's external and superficial. My whole bubbling, it's like cold soda, it's bubbling, it's exciting, but it's cold, it's, it's, it's not real, it's not superficial, skin deep, it's compartmentalized. The Shechina is trapped, the Shechina is crying. You're, t- you're patting yourself on the back, you're walking around, you're the greatest gift you know, since motherhood and apple pie. And here, Hashem is crying. <laughs> you're completely clueless. You don't know how far you are. That's the, that's the deepest proof that you're in exile. You're so clueless. You're so disconnected, you don't even realize you're disconnected. But when you open your eyes and you realize what, shechina, what the Shechina is in Golis, and we have the thin membrane, and we're attached, and it's not even within our capacity to, to get out of that Golis. We need Hashem to circumcise us. That's why Mashiach, ultimately, Hashem is to bring Mashiach. Let's not kid ourselves for a moment. We can stir Hashem to bring Mashiach. We can evoke Hashem to bring Mashiach. We can do the last mitzvah that will cause Hashem to respond. 
But until Hashem responds, nothing is happening. Let's not kid ourselves for a moment. Mashiach, Hashem is to bring Mashiach. Only Hashem could circumcise our heart. Only Hashem could redeem the Shechina, redeem Himself, and redeem the Shechina, our inner Shechina, from our entrapment. When our subconscious will, will come out on a conscious level, will emerge on a conscious level. That's the journey that we've been waiting for. That's the journey that we've been working towards. And this journey is taking a long time, 3,800 years. Since I've been 3,335 uh, years to be precise, from Matan Torah. And every mitzvah that we've, been, that we've done, and every tear that we shed, and every bit of Avas Yisrael, and every heroic sacrifice, and every movement, and every Shema Yisrael, and every, all the, the goodness, and the kindness, and the tzedakah, and the tefillahs, and the faith, and the trust, and the joy, and the, all of that together, we've been slowly wearing down this, this thin membrane, and we've, all of this is to trigger a response from Hashem. But until we get a response from Hashem, nothing is happening. Until this moment, Mashiach hasn't come. The redemption hasn't come. What does it help if Mashiach came if there's no redemption? If the Shekhinah is still trapped, the temple is still destroyed, our inner temple is still destroyed, our inner Shekhinah is still in Golas, in exile, so what does it help if Mashiach came? If we're still in Golas, our inner exile, externally, on a cosmic level, on, on a personal level, Look at the anti-Semitism. Israel is the Jew of the world. Look at the anti-Semitism directed at Israel from every corner. So, I mean, who are we kidding? Let's not conf- I mean, if anyone has any doubt, we have to sit and argue that we're in exile. <laughs> it's obvious, painfully obvious. Look at all the Yiddish tzaddik. So, ultimately, we have to trigger a response from Hashem. And this is the response when Hashem will, there'll be this revelation, this moment, it's going to be a moment. Just like there was a moment at midnight when the clock struck midnight in Mitzrayim when Hashem revealed Himself. And at that moment, split second, all the firstborn Egyptians died. Simultaneously at that split second, the Jews were freed. There's going to be a moment, a revelation, when the Shechina will be revealed, when the inner Shechina within us will be revealed, will come out of its entrapment and subconsciousness and come out in its full glory and consciousness. When the sun will come out, the dawn, the Jewish dawn, after the long night, spiritual night and physical night, and all the personal tzaddas and spiritual, this is, this is the meaning of Mashiach. So Mashiach inherently comes the Hesachadas, because it's beyond that, it's beyond our conscious, organized, limited, finite self. That's the definition of Mashiach. Mashiach has to be Besach Hadas. Not just a technical detail, Mashiach is going to come in Besach Hadas. This is the definition of Mashiach. Mashiach is a revelation from the innermost, the innermost depth. And that, by definition, is Besach Hadas. It'll take us by surprise. It's beyond our consciousness. It's beyond our, our uh, um, present awareness. And we'll be aware. We'll sense this shift inside. This total shift inside, total change, transformation, this, uh, uh, will emerge, and the Shama will emerge, and all in its full force and its full glory. And then, as a result of that spiritual movement, we'll find ourselves physically in the land of Israel. But the physical gathering of the Jews in the land of Israel and the rebuilding of the Besamigdash will be a symptom 
of the inner, of the inner movement, of this emerging and surfacing of the neshama and its full strength, individually and as also collectively. This will happen to all of us simultaneously. And when the Jewish people are redeemed, the whole world will be redeemed and elevated. And that's why it says when Mashiach will come, the wicked will be punished. But you know, that's an elevation for the nations of the world. Because it says Hashem only punishes those who He cares about. You know, if He doesn't care about you, then you, you know, jump off the, what do I care? Go, go live a life. It doesn't, it's, you're meaningless anyway to me, so what do I care? In a way, it's an elevation. Because it means that Goyim will be elevated and now your life is real. And everything that you do is real. And your actions have consequences. And your behavior has consequences. And you're going to have to answer for your actions. No one's going to get away with anything. Today you get away with murder. Mashiach will come no longer. Because it's real. It's too real. Just like our relationship with Hashem. is so real. If anything... For a true believer, speak to true believers who lived through the Holocaust, who survived the Holocaust. To them, if anything, because of the Holocaust, especially they, they went through and they'll tell you that. They experienced that their relationship to Hashem is so real. This is, being Jewish is so real. If Hashem gave us a Holocaust, our Jewishness, this is for real. Being Jewish business is very real. They killed us only because, only because we're Jewish. No other crime. So this, it's so real, it's so true. The chosen people is such a reality. The holiness of the Jew is so real. To this extent, we knew it was real, but so real to this extent that the whole world would, would do this to the Jew only because they're Jewish. For the believer, it only strengthened their belief. So Mashiach will come. And the nations are going to have to answer for their actions and for their behavior. This is an elevation for them. Because the whole world will be elevated. Now Hashem says, okay, now, now life is real. Life is real. There's no monkey business. There's no games. There's no politics. There's no lies. There's no double speak. No more teleprompters. Now you're talking mamalosh in reality. You're going to have to answer for your actions. It's a world of truth. So this is an elevation for them. So all the nations of the world will be elevated as a result of the elevation of the redemption and the, of the Jewish people. They will be elevated together with us. But it will be a moment. And we'll all experience it personally, individually, collectively. And the symptom will be that the physical ingathering of the exiles, physically in the land of Israel, and it can happen in a second. In one split second, you open your eyes, you'll find ourselves on the Upper East Side of Yerushalayim. And we'll see the base Amigdash. The Shekhinah will be restored. The Shekhinah will once again be open and revealed. But this, what's the essence of Mashiach? This is the essence of Mashiach. Mashiach is a godly thing. Mashiach is not anything physical, external. I mean, you have to laugh. I was, I was, <laughs> I was reading these religious Zionists in the Knesset and their vision for Mashiach. I said, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a majority in the Knesset. And, and, and that's going to be Mashiach. I said, I said hello? <laughs> this is Mashiach? For this we waited thousands of years? For this we suffered thousands of years? So we should, we should merit a Knesset? I mean... If they could get a majority of anything, maybe that's all <laughs> I mean, Mashiach is a godly thing. 
Mashiach is not a political thing. Mashiach is coming godly. This is, this is Mashiach. What we're learning right here, this is Mashiach. And it's for this moment that we've been working towards for 3,800 years. The Torah and the mitzvah and everything that we've been doing over the last 3,800 years and was all to reach this moment. Is this where the expression comes, I'm dying to meet him? I'm dying to meet him. People are dying to get into the cemetery. But, uh, <laughs> no, because this is this is the moment. The irony is that we're going to be the ones to merit to see it. That's the ultimate irony. And Akiva did not merit. Shanta, our grandparents, and we, the midgets of all the generations spiritual midget if anyone has any doubt just ask us and we'll tell you <laughs> and yet we are going to be the ones who are going to live when this moment happens we're going to be the ones who are going to experience that's the ultimate irony of all ironies the ultimate paradox of all paradox it's almost like a cosmic joke but that's the reality that's the truth we are going to live to see this moment. And it's going to happen literally in any moment. Okay, continue. His coming is the manifestation of the innermost point which is universal to all Jews. And likewise, the emergence of the universal Shekinah of the entire community of Israel from exile and captivity forevermore. Because it's connected. The microcosm, the macrocosm, it's all connected. Just like a drop in the ocean reflects the whole sun. Every one of us reflects Everything, the whole world, the whole universe. Every one of us contains the whole universe. So any shift, any movement, positive movement in our own personal lives, literally changes the world, changes the fabric of the world. So if if there's an inner redemption within us personally, it will affect the whole world. The Medr says if there was one tzaddik in the world, who was 100%, Mashiach would come. Because if one person is perfect, but he's talking about something special, even within a tzaddik, something that's 100%, totally redeemed. There's one tzaddik in the world who's totally redeemed, his Mashiach would come to the whole world. Because he can't separate the personal, the individual from... It's all connected. So if you achieve a personal redemption on a personal level, the ripple effect is um, also on a cosmic level. That the, the Shekhinah now, Hashem's presence, is hidden, is blocked, is concealed. Mashiach will come, godliness will emerge and surface. and become tangible and palpable. Just as each individual's divine spark, this personal Shekhinah, so to speak, is redeemed from captivity and means that transcends reason is us in such a manner too will the universal Shekinah and with it the entire house of Israel be redeemed thus the ultimate circumcision of the heart and in its wake the ultimate manifestation of the love of Hashem will take place when Mashiach comes nonetheless it is possible even now to liberate one's personal Shekinah one's divine spark at least on a temporary basis during the time of prayer this is the drive with the Balshemtiv, starting with the Balshemtiv, the who put redemption back in the center 
of our attention and tied in the personal redemption with the collective redemption. You want to achieve, you want to bring Mashiach. You want Mashiach to come, literally. You have to achieve a personal, do what you can on a personal level. You can achieve a personal redemption in your own personal life, a stirring, a shifting, a movement, an inner movement from someplace very deep inside of you. Within yourself, that will affect and that could lead to a shift and a change and bring the total global redemption. So the two are, are connected. The two are intrinsically connected. And that's what davening, that's why the Bashem brought back the focus into davening. Because davening is that time when you can achieve this inner redemption. Not just superficially. But to love Hashem on a superficial level. To be warm and to love Hashem. Much deeper than that. To have a, 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 a path to your subconscious. To have something touch you very deep down inside of you. And the only time that can happen is during davening. Davening is that time. That's why Hasidim spend so much time davening. Because they wanted to experience godliness. They wanted to become one with godliness. They wanted to reach that level where Hashem is my life. My life depends on it. Where my Yiddishkeit is something that touches my core, my essence. Not something superficial and external. And they would daven and daven until something stirred deep down inside of them. They wouldn't leave. They wouldn't go away. They wouldn't until they've touched a very deep place inside of them. And that's why Hasidim was so alive. Hasidim was so passionate, was so godly and holy and such a profound connection with Hashem. And that's redemption. And you're able to achieve that on a personal level, personal redemption. This leads to the global redemption. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.